David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Welcome to another edition of Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com with Elliot Harris and David Spada. David is out and about today, but we have a great show, including an interview that he and I had with former Dallas Cowboys defensive back and pro football Hall of Famer Mel Renfro. But first up, we have Chicago Sky, which is the WNBA coach and general manager pokey chapman we're at the sax recreation center in deerfield illinois which is the practice site for the chicago sky and we are with pokey chapman the general manager and coach of the eastern conference leading team i'm not an expert on this but i'm guessing the leading candidate for executive of the year and coach of the year based on the success that you've had Who's, who's done the better job, the general manager or the coach? <laughs> I, you know, I think the, the players have saved both, uh, just in terms of buying in to what we have to get done, uh, trusting each other, weathering a few little storms, be it Epiphany Prince gone, Sylvia Fowles, you know, bone bruise, Elena Deladon concussion, uh, a couple of tough losses and bouncing back. Uh, a few statement games, uh, like the New York game when we clinched, but then following up against a tough Atlanta team that had gotten the best of us in the previous year, and they're a tough matchup. So I think those players have really stepped up, and they become a cohesive unit. Now, don't misunderstand me. I know there's six games left against some tough opponents, but you know going in when you go back and you watch the tape and you watch their growth and how they you know, developed as a unit, uh, you know you have a fighting chance going into every single match. Now, the Sky had the second choice overall in the WNBA draft, took Elena Deladon. If you had had the first choice, would you have done what Phoenix did and take Brittany Griner? Well, you know, people, a few people started asking me that, but I think when you look at it, we have Sylvia Files. That's not a knock on. I, this is the truth. Elena was the perfect fit for us. Uh, and... I mean, it's, a, it's kudos that the players that we had made it an easy decision. Uh, but, you know, Phoenix did what they needed to do in terms of their roster and improving it uh, with Griner, who is a phenomenal player. And thankfully for us, Swin did a nice job of pulling number two. Uh, so Elena Deladon was sitting there for us, and it's been, it's been a good fit both ways. Of course, Brittany's had a challenging season, uh, injuries, things like that. Phoenix fired the coach. So, not not the godsend, I think, that the, the Mercury envisioned, which Mercury being a fairly decent team yeah, yeah, yeah. to begin with. So, you, you never know. When, when you drafted Elena, were you fairly certain in what you were getting? Yes. You know, yes, because the skill set was so uh, unique, uh, so high level. And then as a coach, you start, you know, having fun with yourself, saying how much more you can incorporate into her game. 
um, because she can handle the basketball. She can play back to the basket. She can uh, face up. You can isolate her on the post, isolate her on the wing. Uh, so you get really excited, and you have to make sure you don't do too much too soon. Uh, and the good thing about it is when you don't get to know them, you can call people, you can talk to them, you can watch her play. Uh, but it's just the intricacies of the game that her retention is amazing because we're throwing so much at her. I know what I'm throwing at her. I know what Christy's throwing at her in the perimeter tree on the post. And if she doesn't retain that, then she's not able to excel. So I think, you know, Swin said, you know, she's humble, but she's hungry. She's really hungry. Uh, and you see that every day. And then the poise that she's playing with is just a welcome uh, sight on our team. Now, I know the WNBA was trying to promote the three to see with Skylar Diggins being the third but she's sort of fallen off uh, the, the face of things. She, early on, she started for Tulsa. Now she's coming off the bench. She's an attractive-looking woman, but judging by what her performance has been, at least early on, not really the, the level you would anticipate as one of the rising stars of the league? Well, I think the 3 to C campaign was spot on in terms of people had eyes on them. They were phenomenal players. They were so different in terms of uh, their different teams, their respective teams, their positions, and the opportunity to impact teams at this level. And that campaign kept eyes on those players and then put eyes on our league. Now, in all fairness, as a people on the inside, we understand it takes some time to adjust, you know, uh, and Skylar's going to be a very good player in this league, uh, especially if she masters the point guard position, and I think people just expect it so much, and then you look at Elena, who had to leave college and go to more of her natural position uh, with players around her uh, to kind of help with that, but, you know, Skylar's going to be fine. Uh, I think the bumps and bruises early, they sort of uh, mirror what Slooty went through, you know, and Sloot was here and Dominique was injured, um, and then the next year Tisha was injured, so you're learning all these tough lessons under the lights. But both of those players, I take Sloot and I take Skylar, they're fighters, you know, they're going to remember that, they're going to work, and they're going to learn from it. So I think it was the right thing in terms of the television deal, the eyes, the notoriety, the popularity, the fans, uh, but those players will be fine, especially Skylar. When you drafted Elena, were there concerns about her? Uh, toughness, not so much physically, but uh, psychologically or emotionally, that, you know, because uh, she, she lived pretty much very close to family yeah, and, and, and things like this, and this is a massive change in her lifestyle. Yeah, well, you know, if she were still 18 and coming out, that's one thing, but I think she, I remember a while back she said, you know, I was 18 years old, I'm a 24-year-old grown woman now. And so you go through that, and I think what helped me is when I really started analyzing it, I was thinking, how many 18-year-olds are strong enough in their convictions to say, no to Gino, yes to my family? Uh, as such, knowing you're going to get scrutinized forever, be it fair or not, not knowing. And, and she never let that define her. She never let that. She just believed in herself. Uh, in that regard, but I didn't have an issue with it because I was able to speak to coaches that coached during USA basketball teams or college. But then you just watch the growth. And I can remember when I was 18, I went to LSU. So I was 65 miles away from home. That's not, 
I don't know why that became a big deal for Elena. Most people, if they could go to a very good school that they're comfortable with close to home, why not? If you get everything you want, um, you know, so I, I didn't want to blow that out of proportion. I guess the biggest thing was she went to a mid-major school. And the difference was she did major things there uh, and just kept growing her game. And I think she learned from that Connecticut experience. And she got to face double and triple teams. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I remember second day and third day in training camp, we ran something for her. And we ripped her into the post. And she caught the ball and she hesitated. And then we laughed because she was expecting a double team to come. And so she caught it and she just, and, I'm, and it was kind of funny, you know, I'm thinking about it. It's like, oh, I'm alone here? Right. And granted, her play has warranted, you know, defensive attention. Uh, but the thing that I don't want to say surprised me because I had an idea she was high IQ is that they're playing a big on her, a small on her, a double team, a switch, all in one game. And that doesn't break her rhythm. You know, some people have to adjust to it, and that's where I think she separates herself from a lot of players. Now, you went to LSU. How did you not end up at Louisiana Tech? Wasn't Tech the bigger school at they the were. time? They were. I actually visited Louisiana Tech because uh, I think Teresa Weatherspoon was uh, going to be a senior when I came out, and it came down. And then it came down to Tech had been there and done that. Uh, I had a really good visit with Coach Gunner and her staff, and I you know, I kind of wanted to be a part of something new and, and building something. Um, but, it, yeah, it came down to Tech and LSU and chose LSU, and it was a good decision. So you, you were at LSU about the same time as uh, this tall guy played center Shaq. named uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever, ever come across him on campus? Yeah, all the time. Uh, I was a senior. He was a freshman. And, uh, you know, he's a big kid. And he was fun. He was a phenom. He had the personality. Uh, he was thin. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was, you know, he was a teenager then. And then, uh, you know, when he left and went to Orlando, uh, we'd go and watch him play a lot. But then, you know, you grow up and you get into other things. But, yeah, he was actually a freshman. Um, and I remember we tried to play one-on-one. Uh, but he couldn't shoot in the paint. He had to always shoot in the paint. But, yeah, we were there at the same time. So he was only, what, a foot and a half or so taller yes. than you? Yes, that's all. No so, problem. So you posted him up? All the time. <laughs> Your players have any idea that you were a good basketball player once upon a time? You still get out on the court? I don't know. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I'll joke once or twice a year. Uh, somebody said, yeah, Coach, I knew you were a good player. But it never really comes up. never really comes up. Now, your given name is not Pokey. So we, we have to give your mom credit for not naming you Pokey. <laughs> right. It, it was Dana. Yes, yes. So how did you end up as Pokey? Um, I was a little chubby kid. I always had these, you know, and it was kind of would poke around. I was porky, and then it just kind of evolved into Pokey. And um, I, that's all everyone knew. Uh, a lot of people, even players that played for me, they had no idea my name was Dana. And as I went, I was older, and I'm signing autographs, signing bank statements. I signed some tax documents, and Uncle Sam thought Pokey and Dana were two different people. So it was technically just easier to pay a few hundred bucks and change my name. Uh, and everyone thought it was like a really cute story. Oh, she changed her name. And it wasn't until, you know, six years later I told the truth about why it was just easier to do that. Okay. The story goes that for last Halloween, Elena dressed up as Gumby. 
And, and so now, now we should have Pokey and Gumby. Really? I had no idea. See? No idea. Thank See you. what you learned? Thank you, Elliot. So this is what we have to look forward to this Halloween? Pokey and Gumby. Wow. Okay, get your mind around that for a while. Okay, okay. Okay. This year you have a new assistant coach, yes. Tree Rollins. How did that happen? Um, you know, Jeff, uh, I can remember I was in Ekaterinburg, Russia, uh, getting ready to pay, play in the final eight. And uh, it was around the uh, final four, and I knew Jeff was going to get back into college. I knew that uh, when he took the job, and I was always helpful with that. You know, I respect it. And uh, he was interviewing uh, with Kentucky. And I just remember thinking about people that had experience that would command respect, that when they spoke, people would listen, that knew the game, that had experience, not just on the court, off the court. You know, and Tree was an 18-year player, 12 in Atlanta. Uh, he, you know, he would always say I was one of the, you know, he was a constant backup, but he made an 18-year career out of it. You know, he watched video, the film, played for Hubie Brown, Brian Hill, Tom John. It was just crazy basketball stuff. And then at the end of the day, I thought it would be perfect for Sylvia. Um, you know, just the, the nuances, the next level stuff that can help her with her timing. He's been there and done that. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it makes a huge difference. And then so, you know, the name came up and uh, I called around and I just kept getting great reviews and great, and I was like, wait, I have to find somebody that said something bad about this guy. Uh, and he had been in, in the uh, WNBA and granted, you know, Richie was fired in Washington, so he had to take over and did well that first year and then was released after that. But so he knew a little bit about our game. And the biggest thing is when I first called Tree, he wanted to do this. You know, he was excited. He was, you know, he was ready. To, I was still in Washington. He was ready in two days. I could be there in two days, coach. And I said, well, you're going to beat me about 10 days. So wait a little <laughs> while. And then so it's been a perfect fit uh, from the player standpoint, I think. And then it's a nice balance of myself and Christy. You know, Christy's a crazy one. They think I am. Tree is the calm one, and I'm kind of in the middle. So it's a great balance uh, for the, the players as well. Is it easier for a male coach or a female coach, or does it not matter? Uh, I don't think it matters. I thought about it. Um, I don't think it matters. Uh, I just think from the standpoint of you know how they carry themselves and players watch you and they build trust and they see how you go about doing things, not just – two hours that we practice, but how you prepare, how you communicate, uh, I think that goes a lot uh, further than other stuff. Speaking of coaches, there's a uh, young woman by the name of Cheryl Swoops, mm -hmm. who is a, the new basketball, women's basketball coach at Loyola University, right. a former great professional star. Any advice for her? Well, Other than get good players? Exactly. You know, and Cheryl uh, was here maybe three weeks ago. Yeah, she's been at a few games, I yeah, know. Well, she came to practice. She brought okay. her team here. They're getting ready to go on a European trip. I can't remember if they're going to Italy somewhere. Uh, but, you know, it was interesting because Cheryl was calling to, for an assistant coaching position there. And she must have impressed. And they offered her the head coaching job. And I told her the biggest thing is I remember being fortunate uh, I had the fortune of being under Coach Gunner for so long. Uh, but I told you the biggest thing is just hire good people around you. You know, where you're weak, make sure someone else is strong and just grow in it. And at the bottom line, I said, listen, 
players make coaches. You know, we I didn't all of a sudden go to a coaching clinic last year and became a good coach. Be, oh, you became a much better coach uh, this you know, season. It, it, and, it, and it's it's you know it's players, but then it's also you know you meeting them halfway and understanding what's best for them. But she's excited. There's a lot of excitement there. That was a great hire for them, uh, and I think she'll get players in there. The coaching experience on the collegiate level versus the WNBA level uh, is, is one easier, or are they just different? They're so different. Um, uh, it, I don't want to say easier. Uh, the difficult part on this side is the time frame of developing players. You know, your training camps are short, and depending on where players are overseas, it's even shorter. It's 34 games in 100 days, so that part is different. Uh, I enjoy this a lot more uh, just because of the high level and the possibilities and all the adjustments, and you don't have to motivate the players. Um, you know, they've been through the college ranks, most of them through, you know, really great programs. Uh, they're adults. Uh, they have bills to pay, and this is their career, and that goes so far into uh, them being ready. Uh, you don't have to babysit them. You know, you, you go on a trip, you give them 75 bucks a day to eat, and tell them to show up this time. And they, they've been through uh, through their tough times in there. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to tell them to go to class. You don't have to worry about their grades. You know, you, you mentioned class, and someone said something to Elena about, you know, staying fresh, rookie wall. And she made the comment, and it, it, it reminded me of something. She said, well, you know, I finished practice, and I, I had the rest of the day. You know, to recover, to eat. I'm not going to class. I'm not going to study hall. Right. And so for the, for her, that was wonderful because practice was longer because you didn't play as many games. And then you did your shooting afterwards, and then you went to study hall and all that good stuff. So I definitely enjoy this experience because so many players come in in a short amount of time. You know, in college you have them for four years probably, but all the newness and adjusting to it has been fun. What is the requisite level of play for the sky to win a championship? Does, that, does every, everything have to be clicking on all cylinders, or can you get by with, you know, three or four players performing at a high level? Uh, I think that could change game to game because I know a lot of times when we're talking about players performing at a high level, that's normally relegated to the offensive end of the floor and scoring. Um, but I also think we've developed some decent things defensively, like smooth and pressure on the ball and being really disruptive. Uh, and even when Epiphany Prince, she's been in a slump for her shooting, but in the entire league, she's second or third in plus minus. So she has to be on the floor. I didn't know that. Uh, one of my stats guys sent it to me, and I was like, are you serious? Piff is second, uh, Sloot is third, Elena's fourth, Sylvia's fifth, and Swin is 11th. And so okay. that's, you know, that... So, so something's going on good when yes, they're on like, the court. And, and the part is, you know, always have to score. But if you're out there taking up space for Sylvia, for Snooty, for E, that's positive stuff for us. But to answer your question, uh, I, I think it's... Uh, I understand the level of play and I understand what's going to happen as we get towards the end and people are fighting for spots and position. We're going to need everyone clicking for ourselves because I understand the excitement the first time, the history, but in terms of we haven't, this is the first step. We still have a long ways to go, so we have to develop some confidence in players 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10 uh, to make sure we're good moving forward. Yeah, but 
the early success that you had with the team when it looks when everybody was healthy and and basketballs were going into the hoop and the defense was playing well and uh, that level of expectation and that level of performance I think has people thinking oh you know this guy can do more than just reach the postseason yeah. it, it can uh, get deep into it if not win a championship well you know that, that's great with the fans but I understand what they're saying we just want to put a little com- pressure on you well you know the, the pressure that we put on ourselves you know no one could ever match that uh, but I think there's been some things that develop like the game after the game the bounce back game the game after a loss the game after an injury the game after foul trouble there's been some quality stuff there that as a coaching staff we can build on as we move forward uh, but yeah I'm okay with the fans saying that as long as the players know that our championship is on Saturday and that's being <laughs> whatever the next game is yeah you got that right in previous years you've coached after the WNBA season in Russia right and you're not going back this year right. because you'd made the decision long ago. But Russia also now has anti-propaganda, gay propaganda laws and uh, under the Putin regime that, that seem extremely oppressive. And there are players, you know, lesbian players that go over. Right. To, how concerned are you about that? I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Uh, I remember when Someone asked me around Seattle about it, and it seemed, I almost felt like, you know, I'm dreaming. You're not asking me this in 2013. You know, we're going to go, you know, decades back to this. And this is a place, I was just there for six years. And uh, someone, I never felt anything. I know as a sports person, you're put into this elite category. Uh, but this is, I can't even fathom it, is the ridiculousness of it. Uh, especially when we're making strides forward. And there there are going to be a lot of players uh, that are playing in Russia. Uh, so it's just, it's, it saddens me. I guess I should never be surprised with things these days. Uh, it's just extremely disappointing. Well, you know, and I'll editorialize here. You think people make progress and you're advancing and you're advancing, and all of a sudden somebody turns the clock back a century or so, right. and you think, how, how did this just happen? Right. Hasn't society progressed to the point where, you know, people can accept other people for for who and what they are regardless? Right, right. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, you ask me the question and I'm processing it and then I'm stuttering because I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of flabbergasted, you know, uh, with it all. So it'll be interesting to see how things develop as players start moving over. Okay. Well, it'll be interesting to see how things develop with the Chicago sky the rest of the season. Thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Always. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did talking to Pokey Chapman. After a brief break, we will have Pro Football Hall of Fame defensive back Mel Renfro. You are listening to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. 